0: on the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. This is the Roll Tide Cast, the official podcast of Alabama Athletics. Here's Roger Hoover. And here we are with another edition of the Roll Tide Cast. I'm Roger Hoover and we're happy to have you along for another great lineup of conversations about all things Crimson Tide. Alabama Director of Athletics Greg Byrne gets us started this time around, followed by the mother-daughter volleyball coaching tandem of Lindsey Devine and Megan Alshai. Then we catch up with former Crimson Tide men's basketball academic All-American, Levi Randolph. First up, I catch up with Greg Byrne as he talks Crimson Tide athletics during a very busy time of the year, plus celebrating Christmas at various bowl games over the years, both as a kid and with his wife and children. He also gives us a progress report on the Crimson Standard and the start of Phase 1 construction.
1: All right, Greg, I feel like every time we sit down, we talk about it's a crossover season. It's a busy time of the year, but this certainly uh, getting ready for the holidays is a very busy time. With Football starting to wind down, men's, women's basketball getting ready to close out non-conference play, get ready for conference schedule. You have a lot of the winter sports getting ready as well. So what's this time of the year like for you? Well... Roger, the reality is,
2: other than the month of July, it's, you know, there's always a lot going on, which is part of what we love about being in intercollegiate athletics at the University of Alabama. Um, but, it, but obviously, you know, we've been wrapping up football season, the regular season. Now we're getting ready for the, the Citrus Bowl and obviously taking on a great opponent in the University of Michigan. Uh, and, uh, you know, we know we'll have a lot of good Alabama fans down in Orlando, and, and it should be one that's going to be well-watched across the country too. I know the, the TV executives that I've talked to are very excited about the matchup. Um, and then, you know, men's and women's basketball are going on. You and I were just talking offline about the great win the women's team had against North Carolina the other day. Uh, men had a tough loss to Penn State. We were right there on the road against a really good Penn State team who just beat the number four team in the country you know we're playing seven or eight guys it's not an excuse it's reality um you know i think we ran out of gas there at the end a little bit but the way the kids have bought in the way we're playing defense and you know, we're getting in the gym we're developing it's that's really good for the long term of what we're doing i had a long conversation with, with coach Oates last night in fact and and uh, we we're just talking about the process that he's going through and and it's, it's exciting to watch and, and obviously you know, one of the things he said to me the other day, or he said to me last night, he said Petty was talking about his freshman year. We lost five, had a five-game losing streak and still went to the NCAA tournament. The schedule that we have is very challenging, and we did that purposely because the basketball committee has shown time and time again they want they want to see you playing those teams from zero to 100 from an RPI standpoint. You can get away with 100 to 150-some. But they really want those good games. Well, we've got a lot of those this year. There's no, I mean, I don't know if we played anybody outside 150 yet. Um, we may have, but I, I don't know off the top of my head. That's going to bode well for us getting ready for the SEC season, too. Uh, you know, you got, uh, obviously, cross-country just wrapped up. Uh, volleyball just wrapped up. And now we've got, uh, you know, all, all swimming's really doing well. Uh, uh, our first well, not our first meet of the year, but at, uh, at Georgia Tech, we broke 11 school records. And Coley's really uh, getting in, having the kids get the pool and, and developing. There's, you know, we've got a different approach in the weight room, too. And, and it's fun to see some of the results that come along with that. Uh, obviously, baseball and softball are right around the corner. And, you know, and indoor season, outdoor season, track gymnastics starts this week with the uh, first uh, invitational meet Wednesday kind of a private one didn't count the standings but then uh we get going with oklahoma and auburn early on so um i know i'm forgetting something here uh but it's uh you know that's part of that the energy around this you're seeing is doing what you're doing for broadcasting root sees it for all the years that he's been around uh, the university It's, it's 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 contagious it's fun to be a part of and and uh but it's also it's it's also very consuming and and and
1: you want to make sure that you you balance it on a daily basis and getting ready for a football bowl game. Uh, first of all, what was that Sunday like, uh, hearing probably several different destinations that were possible for the Crimson Tide? What was your role before the Citrus Bowl was announced?
2: Well, they've kind of taken the lobbying out of it for the most part. Uh, it used to be where I can remember back as a child, my dad would lobby the heck out of it. Uh, when he was in Oregon in the 1980s, they had not been to a bowl game when he took over in 80, I think he took over in 84 as the AD. Uh, they had not been to a bowl game since the 60s. And so 1988, they uh, had an opportunity to go to the Sun Bowl, Oregon did. And, uh, and he had the governor of, of Oregon calling the Sun Bowl folks. He had Dan Fouts, the great cor- Chargers quarterback who played there. He had Ahmad Rashad who played there. Uh, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. I remember him being on our kitchen phone calling everybody, saying, Hey, here's the phone number for the guy with the Sun Bowl, can you please please make that call and tell him why Oregon would do that? So they ended up getting passed on that year. They took Sun Bowl took West Virginia instead of Oregon. The next year, eighty nine, they went I think they went seven and four or six and five. And uh, I mean and so literally on ten days notice he bought his way into the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. It's a long way from Eugene Oregon to Shreveport, (laughs) Louisiana. And they brought like 10,000 fans in about about 10 days notice. And it was amazing. And I was playing basketball then, so I couldn't go. Um, But I remember that Coach Brooks, who was the football coach, Rich Brooks was the football coach. He and my dad still talk about the stories. They were both here for the LSU game as my guests. And they talk about that was almost like playing for the national championship in Shreveport, Louisiana, how excited they were. But that was a lobbying effort back then. Today, they don't do that as much. I, I talked to the folks from the Citrus Bowl. We talked to the folks from the Cotton Bowl and a couple others just to let them know that, hey, wherever we go, we're going to be excited. It's going to be an honor to be there and, and uh, give them some information on, on um, what we were thinking. Uh, but it's a lot less of that than today. But you know, you're watching the CFP rankings. Um, you know, we have some interesting data on that. Uh, we, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the CFP committee's got a tough job to do. Uh, and uh, they're good people, high integrity, all those things, you know. And at the same time, too, I, you know, I think if the reality, if, you know, we, we had a good football team and, uh, you know, probably felt we could have been ranked a little higher, but we can't control that at this point. It is what it is. But at the same time, too, you want to pay attention to that data. You know, I talked to Greg Sankey about those types of things and that information. We got a great commissioner in Greg, and he does such a wonderful job. But so, you know, so there's some of those conversations that are going on. Um, But uh, you know, I I found out about two minutes before it got announced on ESPN. So I I don't find out a whole lot sooner than anybody else does, and and uh, you can't, you know, you, you can't talk to the folks on the committee. On the CFP committee, you have to make sure you you honor that, but you have a conduit that you go through to, to relay any messages that you have, and we did that as well.
1: And then once you do get the word that Alabama is going to the Citrus Bowl, playing Michigan, what are the next steps for your staff? Well, uh,
2: talk to Coach Saban, let him know what it was, and then uh, we we uh, you know, finest Gaston is kind of our point person on on all the details, but it's a lot of details. Taking the team, a lot of the times the teams. Where the team's gonna, we'll be practicing up until I think I think the 23rd, and then they get to go home for a few days for Christmas, and then we're all going to meet back at the bull site. A lot of them will travel with us here, others will travel uh, on uh, on their own to get there, and so that'll be uh, the 26th that we'll all meet down in Orlando. And so it's it's moving a big operation and doing it for a week, so there is a lot of details and uh, and Finus and, and his team that he puts together on that are there and you know obviously he brings decisions that we need to make collectively together on you know who goes, who doesn't go. you know that's one of the challenging things with with postseason. You'd like to take everybody and everybody you know and, and have that opportunity. but you're limited. you know you can't you can't take the entire department. Um, there has to be there has to be checks and balances in the process. so, um but it's but obviously it's a it's a great experience for our team for the, the citrus bowl do a wonderful job uh, and, and
1: giving our kids great experience. You mentioned all the preparation around Christmas, and I imagine even growing up in athletics you had a lot of your Christmas holidays spent probably out of town from where you were living at a bowl site, just getting ready for that game on either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Can you give us any stories about growing up around bowls around that time of the year? Well,
2: for a long time, like I mentioned earlier, Oregon hadn't gone to bowl games, and so for the first several years there used to be a great basketball tournament in Portland, Oregon called the, the Far West Classic. And Oregon and Oregon State would always pull, uh, host the, the t- teams from all over the country. I remember, I remember I don't remember Alabama ever being there. I do remember UAB being there. And had, they had a good ball club. Um, and uh, and so we would open up our presents on Christmas morning, and then we would uh, take down the Christmas tree. You know, and back in Oregon, you always had the real trees. And you <laughs> cut the tree in half, put it out for the garbage, man, everything would be packed up, and then we'd be out by noon to go to Portland for the, for the uh, Far West Classic. Um, and then, so when bowl games started happening, so I didn't go to that first one um, in 89, but I the next year we played in the Freedom Bowl, lost to Colorado State on the last play of the game, i always remember it. Uh, you know, so you started going there and being a part of it. But it was really interesting having my dad be an athletic director, watching all the work that would take place. And they had much smaller staffs at that point. Um, and so you just, it was a much more intimate environment where you uh it was it was such a thrill for everybody to get to go together because the numbers were small enough you could do that um but watching the 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 lobbying behind the scenes i remember the bowl people would show up at the games and when they started showing up at oregon my dad was so excited and you know they'd show up in their funky looking bowl jackets (laughs) and of all sorts of colors and i remember one time they had beat oregon state at the end of the season, and and he's about chasing one of the bull reps down, getting in his <laughs> last words that he could to try to encourage him because back then he didn't have cell phones, sure. so it wasn't like he could just drop him a text or a note. So he and my dad wasn't the fleet of foot, but he was he was running through the parking lot trying to trying to chase him down. So I remember those things. Um, and then uh, you know we would go sometimes with the Rose Bowl as guests and just think, man, if you could ever go there, I was in, I was out of college but '94. Uh, Oregon won the Pac-10 at that time and went to the went to the Rose Bowl. My dad was at Nebraska at that point, um, and so I would get to go and be a part of that. But we'd spend a lot of Christmases in hotel rooms at that point going forward. And and uh, I remember when our boys Nicholas and Davis, who are 24 and 22 now, you know they we told them that Santa could get into the hotel. You know he had a, he had a key to all the doors, so he's able to leave the presents. And so you you, you kind of uh, you, you kind of make do makeshifts wherever you are. But it's it's. It's certainly what you want. You don't want to be sitting at home for Christmas.
1: Absolutely not. And uh, speaking of home, uh, people around Suscaloosa are seeing all the construction that's going on. And I'm sure for you, as we update the Crimson Standard, it's exciting that now all that work is starting to be done. And you can really see it. And for you, I'm sure, outside your office, hear it.
2: Yeah, it's coming out of the ground, which is great. The the, uh, Sports Science Center uh, is happening right outside my office. And so I can see that every day I'm in the office, the progress that it's making. Uh, and that, that's, I met with the football recruits last Saturday. You know, the families want to know about that from a, from a health and wellness standpoint for our student athletes. That we're going to be on the forefront of that. It's really good. Um, and, uh, and then the work over at the stadium, obviously, I, I don't get down there as much because it's not right outside my office door. But I've been down there, and they're, they're blowing and going. They're putting a lot of money into it every single, every single day. Um, and it's on a tight timeline. But so far, things are, things are progressing quite nicely. Uh, and uh, it, it's fun to see. Softballs, it's, it's coming out of the ground as well, which you know, the, we got our season starting in February, and, uh, and so we're still trying to figure out the golf situation because we want that to be part of phase one. There's been some you know, back and forth on, on what we do is the right solution for us. We want to make sure we make the best decision possible. But it's fun to see, and uh, a lot of our fans are going to benefit from this and, and the improvements for them. Our student athletes are going to benefit from it from the daily experience here from a medical and wellness standpoint, our football team is going to have updated locker rooms, both here at uh, Mal Moore and then at Bryant-Denny as well. So it's it's all coming together.
1: Certainly have to like that. And then you also have to like, uh, last week, uh, graduation here for the fall semester at the University of Alabama, and 15 football players recognized, 15 non-football players recognized. And with all the awards and things that go around for you, I'm sure, and for Coach Saban as well, it's the ultimate payoff to see these guys graduate. It, It is.
2: One of the things fans don't get to see as up close as what what we get to, and now that I'm you know January, it'll be three years since I was hired, and so um, you, I I know some of the kids that were graduating. I saw them for the first time as freshmen, and so seeing them mature and develop in who they are, and watching them go through the highs of that and the challenges of that, it's really cool, and and. One of the many things I love about college athletics. We're not perfect. There's not a perfect enterprise out there in any any organization. It just doesn't exist in any in any field. But so much of what goes on, where you see a young man or a young woman develop who they are. They come in as a, as as a child often. I mean they're 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 teenagers, and they're going through the 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 emotions of developing and who they are, just like we all did, right? But what we see with our athletes is they're so physically developed at that age that they that they can run and, and jump and, and compete at levels that 99% of society never will be able to. And so you think that they're going to be emotionally more developed too, and that's not always the case. So watching them develop in who they are and being a part of that process, watching them be sometimes the first person in their family ever to go to college, and then the first person in their family to ever graduate from college, and understanding the opportunities that come along with that. One of the things that when you're competing at a high level is a challenge, is trying to make them understand these life skill programs that we have for them. Interviewing skills, writing resumes, doing all the financial management, all these different things. Um, getting them to focus on that is tough, but sometimes it, it clicks while they're here, sometimes it clicks when they're after here, or when, when, they're, when they're done here. Um, and But seeing them continue to develop and and having the opportunity to prosper it's it's absolutely one of the the most rewarding things about what we get to do and anybody anybody that doesn't genuinely get excited about that uh man you know i question whether they want to be in this for the right reasons or not so it's really it's very special
1: well it is certainly a special time of the year and we just thank you for uh, spending some time with us on the podcast and look forward to our uh, next sit down coming up in a couple months thanks so much roll tide
0: It's certainly an exciting time for the Crimson Tide and a great time of the year for Alabama fans from all sports. Next up, I sit down with Alabama head coach Lindsey Devine and assistant coach Megan Alshaw as they discuss growing up as a volleyball family and their relationship as a mother and daughter, coach and player, and now as a head coach and assistant coach for the Crimson Tide.
1: Alright, joined by Alabama Head Volleyball Coach Lindsay Devine and her daughter Megan Alshai. It's great to be with you guys here at Foster Auditorium. Well, first of all, how's everyone
3: doing today? Uh, We're great. Well, I'm great. I don't need to speak for you, but uh, thank you for having us here on the show. Yeah, great day. Looking forward to Christmas, so thank you again for
4: having us.
1: Yes, absolutely. Christmas is coming up soon, and we're going to be talking a lot about family and the connection to volleyball over the next little bit. And first, First of all, Coach Devine, when did you first get introduced to the sport of volleyball?
3: Oh my goodness, now you're re- really dating me, um, but I was introduced way back in probably grade school. Um, had some really influential people that were important in my life process, and had some great coaches, so we're talking fourth grade.
1: Fourth grade, and then it just went from there.
3: Correct, you know, um, the sport, any sport, when you're playing with some great people, I just love the, the fact that you know, you work on so many different aspects of being part of a team, the unity, the the celebrations. And so for volleyball, it was fast paced, uh, probably not as fast paced back then as it is now. But uh, it was a, a chance to get out and do something that I knew that, you know, I've had a pretty good understanding of and a good touch on the ball. So uh, it just continued through many years and and here I am now at Alabama.
1: Yeah, great playing career. What led you to want to be a coach?
3: (laughs) Oh again, so many influential people in my life. Uh, I think coaching and teaching and mentoring, there's so many things that go along with that. Uh, I had uh, a great high school coach, a great college coach, Merv Mosier, who's in Canada. He really laid the foundation and helped me to create a coaching philosophy and, and shape the person I was. So um, I give a lot of credit to him, Mike Selene, Um there's so many people that were important in my development.
1: Now, was Megan born while you were coaching?
3: Correct, yes. So a kind of a fond memory, I remember where I'm in the middle of coaching and at that time she would come to the gym and I remember at one of our matches. I kind of passed her off to some parents, and I see her up uh, in the stands, and she's kind of like being passed from player—I mean, excuse me—from mum to mum. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, still trying to be focused in on the court, but saying to myself, "Whatever you do, don't throw up on them. Whatever you do." So <laughs> I just see her being passed from hand to hand. But she was a pretty easy baby, and um, you know, she grew up in the gym.
1: Yeah, what were some of your early memories, Megan?
3: So first started again in fourth grade
4: and then grew up kind of always playing in the yard with my parents. Um, Both of them always just kind of were peppering in the yard and at a young age I always wanted to jump in and I was always big fans of uh, my whole family that lives in Canada and thought that they were all awesome volleyball players. Uh, We would go up to my um, mom's sister's cottage and we have a volleyball net set up in their um, backyard and the net and everything and everybody who kind of was at the cottage and the neighboring um, places would come together and play so um, just starting then just knowing you know this is so much fun want to be just like my family and that was kind of what I knew.
1: And you guys have always had a real family atmosphere at every stop you've had along the way. Did you feel like you had a new group of about 15, 20 sisters each and every year?
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, growing up in the gym, like she said, I was a volley buck, I would say. You know, I would go to work with her, hit balls off the wall, go to practices, be in the locker room. Um, as a kid throughout, you know, my young ages, all the way through high school, I would be in there um, hanging out with the team, getting to know them. Um before matches, before practices, just kind of getting a feel of the life of a student athlete.
1: Now, Coach, while she was going through this, uh, starting in fourth grade and from beyond, were you starting to recognize that she could be a special volleyball player in her own right?
3: I think she had a lot of the traits that I believe are important for any elite athlete. Um, But she was also very good at other sports during that time, Uh, notably soccer and basketball. Um, Volleyball was easier but the soccer and the basketball were the things that she practiced. And so when you know we were going through these and as her father and I were watching her, we said, yes, volleyball it looks like it's just part of who she is versus the other thing. She just kind of had to work a little bit harder at it. Um, so we were kind of shocked when she said, you know what? volleyball is my sport this is what I want to pursue in college Uh, and we we were happy obviously underneath but we wanted it to make it that it was her decision
1: yeah what led to that decision Megan
3: well my parents were both um, very supportive in
4: whatever route that I wanted to take Um, I ended up giving up soccer throughout middle school so that I could focus more on volleyball and basketball and um, obviously being able to go to ETSU and play for her um, knowing how dedicated I was to both volleyball and basketball, I was able to continue and play basketball throughout high school and graduated and got to be a two-sport athlete, adding some track and field in there. So I think it would kind of made me more well-rounded, and so whenever it came to the decision of what I wanted to pursue for college, I mean, volleyball was who I was and uh, what my family is, and it just kind of made it easy.
1: Yeah, so even in middle school, before you even started playing high school volleyball, that was in the back of your mind, I want to play for my mom someday.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, again, a special moment because who wouldn't want to do that? Um, The biggest thing for me was, you know, if I would have went anywhere else, she would never get to be there um, unless we got to, you know, pair up and play against each other. So um, being able to play for her, having my dad get to come to as many games, practices, whatever he could um, to attend to, and then my brother and I are very close, so... Um, being able to see him grow up—that was the family was the reason I decided on ETSU.
1: And probably for you, coach, uh, it's unlike any other player you've recruited. What was that recruitment process like? And did you ever have to have a couple moments where you really put on the coach hat instead of the mom hat?
3: I probably put on the coaching hat a lot more than the mom hat because I didn't want to um, it to be perceived that Megan was only coming to ETSU. And, and to make her path easy just because it was of me and so I thought it was important that you know She carved her own path. So I put a lot of emphasis on uh, My assistants at that time and so you know Megan was doing some really uh, elite volleyball training at that time she was working with the um, uh, The youth program with the USA volleyball. She was off at a camp and we had invited Uh, some prospective recruits to our camp that summer and we were going to be making some decisions on who we wanted to be um, joining our team uh, I guess two years from then and so she's at that camp and I laid it all out you know you you come back uh, Friday night Saturday uh, camp's already in session you got to be there first thing You know, a little bit of complaint. I'm gonna be so tired, and you know, I've been playing volleyball for you know two weeks, mom. And I was like, no, this is you got to be treated all the same. And I also made sure that the assistants looked at her with a clear perspective of no emotional attachment, that was really important. And so she came um, and she did a fantastic job of again showcasing. Uh, her athletic ability but it was also her ability to connect with people and with the uh, existing team that was already there and um, so you know long story short talked with the assistants and they said you know what we're about recruiting the best student athlete for our program Lindsay and you know take away that she's your daughter she is the best player in the state of Tennessee and she was, you know, after that named Gatorade Player of the Year in Tennessee. So she, she checked so many boxes. Why, why would I not want her to be part of the program?
1: So that was how it went from your perspective. Megan, what about you? I mean, that had to be emotional as well, going back and forth between Coach Devine and Mom.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's just how I guess her and my dad have always been, because they both trained me through club volleyball growing up. So she had already been my coach. And then getting to college, I knew that the expectation and the standards were even higher. And um, something that both of my parents have instilled in both my brother and I, you know, you do everything with 100% effort. You don't take breaks. And if you're going to do this, you're fully committed. So um, going to college and playing, knowing the expectations had been laid out for me and what I needed to uphold, I knew going in. And so, yeah, some days were more difficult, um, but we worked through those and, um, I had a great career, made a ton of friends, got to play with a couple of high school teammates, club teammates, um, got to, you know, set some records. Um, we got to get some banners, and that's what it's all about is relationships and remembering all the things that you did throughout your college career.
1: And that was part of the adjustment you all made And once you did get to ETSU. And then what was it like? You described the recruitment process, Coach Devine, but what about coaching, Megan?
3: <laughs> uh, I chuckle because, you know, I, uh, As I said before, I had the coaching hat on a lot, and so I never wanted the perception to be that she was getting an easy ride. So uh, Megan, she received a lot of hard coaching, and um, the expectations were high and higher for her. Um, So uh, we had lots of conversations in the office, behind closed doors, in the car driving to Sunday night dinner, Sunday night dinner. um, Just... You know I wanted the best for her and I knew that if we continued to you know reinforce the standards that were in place for everybody that her her talent was never a question it was just making sure that she continued to um, be a part of the culture that was so important to our success and so she had to uphold those values
1: and it seems like you certainly did that great results on the court off the court as well just what was it like again for you uh going through this whole process and getting to be coached by your mom for all four years
4: i mean it's something that a lot of people don't get to experience and so um you know hopefully down the line i'll be able to have a daughter that um gets to experience something that i did um it's irreplaceable um Yeah, I mean, not many people can say that they got to be around their family and have their mom be beside them every step of their way, and um, that's why I'm so excited what I do now.
1: What was Senior Night like?
4: (laughs) Uh, Basically, as emotional as I am right now, um, it was special. Um, I was the only senior, so uh, walking out on the floor with my parents and my brother hand in hand, um, having like... My entire family from Canada came to surprise us, Um, you know, just my friends. There are so many people that have been there for me um, throughout my entire uh, playing career, from high school to college, and just so many important people that had helped me um, along the way. And so being able to celebrate um, Senior Day and my team and... Um, girls that I'm still so close with, like, it was just,
3: it was very special.
1: I oh, thought it'd be special for you as well, Coach.
3: For sure, and and as she's saying, you know, the tears, the emotion, the celebration, um, just the, you know, how proud both her dad and I and her brother were of her then and how proud we are of her now to see the, how she has evolved from a young woman, you know, and through that playing experience and then continuing into the woman that she is today. Um, her heart is huge, her, her ability to connect with people is, um, is incredible uh, how many people gravitate towards her and uh, we're proud.
1: Absolutely should be. Megan, for you, you graduated ETSU. What were the next steps for you? Because were you part of your mom's program still after your playing days were done? Or what was the next step for you?
4: So usually, you know, players, they finish their fall um, playing and then spring kind of you're more school oriented. Um, I was very lucky to stay in the gym and train with the current team because I went to USA tryouts. Um, I did that, and then I was still able to come back and train with them throughout the summer because I knew that I wanted to play pro. I had received um, a few offers, decided on one, and so um, being able to stay in the gym as long as I could and get that training and those individual reps, and still have um, my teammates that were my best friends and got to be around them and still improve my game would help me, you know, throughout the summer going into my pro career.
1: And then Distinguished Pro Career as well. What was that experience for you getting to watch her now as a fan not thinking about her as a recruit or one of your players, but now you truly got to be her fan once again? Uh,
3: you know, it would have been the best if I would have been able to go to Sweden to watch her. Unfortunately, the, the job took precedence over that. Her father was very lucky to go over mm. to watch her to play, to see her play. Um, thank goodness for the Internet. So we were able to keep up um, in, in, you know, what was going on uh but you know I kind of we had done our, our job as coaches, you know my staff and I we had laid the foundation we had you know created the uh given her the skill set then it was on to meg's to to do what she needed to do and and she took um all the all the lessons that she learned along her way, both on and off the court and we were able to implement them when she was over in sweden and um, it was again more growing up and that's what you want of your children is that when they're away from you that you get they'll continue to get um, the compliments from people saying how polite how well-rounded how respectful your your, your family is your, your children are and that's what we would get but you could tell through the conversations through the the phone calls um, she came home at Christmas, you know, we could just, her father and I could just see she's just continuing to grow, mature into such a, a beautiful young woman. And we're like, this is exactly what we wanted for her.
1: Pro career in Sweden, when did coaching start to enter in your mind, Megan?
4: I've always known that I wanted to be involved. So going through college, I was still helping out with, um, Kingsport Volleyball Club, the club that my parents coached me in. So I was coaching non-travel or I was coaching the younger kids, always assisting in clinics, always working summer camp, like I always knew that I wanted to have hands somewhere in coaching. And ideally, I wanted to do college. Um, When I returned from Sweden, um, I was able to join her staff and be a volunteer assistant. Uh, The next step was hopefully, you know, becoming a grad assistant somewhere and um, had some opportunities and Um, something at my high school at Dobbins-Bennett came along that um, a good friend of mine who was the volleyball coach Wendy Baker was uh, switching uh, professions within the school district and you know she was like you know your heart's always been in this school and the job's gonna be open and you know everyone respects you so well so you really need to put your name in for it and at the same time a teaching um, job opened and I just figured you know um, this was the next step and what I needed to do with my life with you know coaching and teaching and kind of having more of a secure life and uh yeah it just kind of worked out and I loved every minute of it
1: so you get to be the coach at Dobbinsman in high school and Kingsport a uh, coach DeVine what was it like getting to watch her be a coach for the first time uh, on her own really
3: uh nerve-wracking <laughs> Um, because I saw lots of the traits that I had in myself and I wanted her to, again, carve the way for for her to be whom she wanted to be, what type of coach she needed to be. And, um, again, I think she did that over time. Um, so she, you know, we were so proud. We would sit back again. We'd go to, um, you know, I, we would re- were recruiting some of those players, so we'd watch them and... Um sat back in amazement the way that she was able to um, strategize, create drills, um, just the way that she talked to within her team, uh, just seeing the the respect, the trust that she was building with her team. I thought, you know, she's got key qualities that are going to make her successful for this coaching career. Were
1: well, there some moments in games or practices, Megan, and you're like, oh, I can't wait for this to be done, so I am call my mom and ask about this.
3: <laughs> there has been
4: plenty of times I've called her, asked her for suggestions for drills, um, how to handle specific situations, if it was player, parent, whatever, um, you know, a specific thing that has happened on the court, how could I adjust. Um, so she was always a phone call away and a great resource for me. I was really lucky to have my um, libero from ETSU to be my assistant coach, and I had two other great assistants, so we kind of balanced each other out really well, and we were able to bounce off one, each, one another um, for ideas, and um, having ETSU you know, kind of in our back door, if I ever needed anything, she you know, would always help me and guide me in what direction she could offer to me.
1: So we get to around this time last year, there's an opening at mm-hmm. Alabama. And again, both of you were doing very well in your own right. So Coach Devine at ETSU, Coach Al Shai at Dobbins-Bennett. Uh, what led for you, Coach, first of all, to be thinking about maybe Alabama is the right step?
3: That's a great question. Um, for me, along the way and my time at ETSU, I knew that we had such great support there. But I was able to, you know, I was able to still raise my family. And, um, and that's really, that was really important. I wanted to be a really good mom. And so when Alabama came open, you know, Megan by that point was, I believe you were engaged at that point mm-hmm. and just get, about to get married. And then our son, Owen, he was a, he's a sophomore, swims at Tennessee, so kids are out of the house. I didn't have to worry about that part of my life. I kind of did my mom. I'm always going to be a mom, but the tri- child-rearing years were, were complete in a sense. Um, and then, you know, talking with my husband, it was when you talk to uh, Greg Byrne, when you talk to Marie Robbins, Tiffany Grimes, Jess Peray, um, Jesse Gardner, through the, uh, the interview process, to hear the excitement, to hear what they say about Alabama, I mean, I still get goosebumps about it. And every day we say, can you believe it that we're at Alabama? You know, I just knew that this was the place where if I was going to take the next step in my career, I knew from the the athletic support, from the resources, uh, the reputation, the brand that Alabama has coast to coast, country to country, I knew that this is a place that I would take my ingredients for success from ETSU, and I knew that we would be able to create it, recreate it here at Alabama.
1: So your mom gets the job. Was it on your mind when she first got the job that you wanted to be part of her coaching staff, or how'd that all get going?
4: That's always kind of been a thing um, for us. I told her if you know if the opportunity ever arose um, that she needed to jump on it um, to another school, and that I would 100% be in to go with her if she would take me. I remember, you know, the job had been posted and my brother, my dad and I were like, you have to apply for this. And she was like, well, you know, teetering back and forth because, you know, she had such a successful career at ETSU and, you know, Tennessee was home and we're like, just do it. Put yourself out there. But that's the worst that could happen is they say no. And so once she was going through the interview process, um, she was, you know, keeping us informed and, um, you know. First interview, she's like, Well, I made it to the next round. And we're like, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. You know, we were just so proud of her. And then, um, you know, made it all the way. She FaceTimed me and said they offered me the job. And I screamed and I was out of, um, had so much excitement for her um, because she's worked so hard. And then, you know, like I said, I told her that I would always go with her if she would take me. And so I sent her a formal email, sent her my resume, kind of said, You know, I'd like to. Um, talk to you about the potential of you hiring me. And um, that's kind of how everything unfolded because I wanted to make sure that um, I was being as professional as a a co-worker and not just being
3: her daughter.
1: And that sounds just like her recruitment, everything by the book done the right way.
3: Correct. Yeah. Very important. Again, you know, I think there's a process to, to, you know, keeping our relationship. We got to, walk that fine line of professionalism, but then also there's the personal side. And so, uh, you know, ethics, integrity has been super important, key values in our family. So it was, you know, it's just what I expected that she would have done in this process.
1: And of course, in its adjustment, making the move like you all did, going from the Tri-Cities down here to Tuscaloosa, uh, first year as a new head coach, just how much did you enjoy having Meg on your staff and just getting to go through this new
3: experience together? Oh, it's it's been the best. Um, when I was offered the job right away, you know, as you're, you're in your mind thinking about so many things and for me, the essential qualities that were important as I was hiring the staff was the, the trust, the honesty, the integrity, and the work ethic. And um, even though at that uh, initial moment, Megan had not expressed her, her interest, those were the qualities that I knew that I had to have in my staff. Because we had to hit the ground running, and we knew that whomever was with me by my side, we would have to invest all of our time with the players. And so, you know, when when she expressed her interest, in my opinion, she may not have had all the uh, work experience at that point. But the, the things that um, not necessarily, are, they're also going to continue to grow as you um, as she gets older. But she had the, the core essential values that I knew that were important for that assistant. And trust and honesty and that work ethic was high on my list.
1: Absolutely. You fit the bill there. And just what did you think, Megan, about this first year of getting to work together? As again, it's another different dynamic for you all to have, but at least you get to have it together.
4: It, again, a very um, important and very special time in my life. Um, I think our staff, again, like we're very lucky that we're all very close um, personally. So being able to come here and really understand each other and know each other um, has really helped because we knew when we arrived in Tuscaloosa that there was so much to do and we were all all in. And so we, you know, we're in here from 5 a.m. till 7, 8 p.m. because we were working so hard to make sure that we were preparing for recruiting. We were preparing for the preseason and giving our girls the most of us. And so um, I think as a whole, our staff together made it very easy since we were so personal with one another that it would help us in the um, in the office and being able to spend time with each other in the team.
1: So now that this first year is complete, as we start to wrap things up, I'll let both of you comment on just what the next steps are for Alabama Volleyball.
3: Well, we're, we're continuing to build our culture and lay the foundation. I think that our players from this past year, especially our seniors, you know, Ginger Perinar, Haley McSperrin, Eva Barndale, and Brooke Coleman, um, they really did a fantastic job of coming in and listening to what was the, in our opinion, the success ingredients. And um, so going forward, it's, it's again, finding players that uh, understand what the mission and the vision is that we have laid for our, our program. Again, it's the investment into the present team that is here, investment in them as people, Um, We have to continue to uh, improve their skill set, improve their volleyball IQ so that, you know, the SEC conference is tough and um, we have to find ways. We just got to get to be better volleyball players. But, you know we don't make many promises but we we create we continue to tell them that we're going to continue to create an environment because the you know the Alabama support here for them to be successful outside to graduate i mean there's so many things that that they offer the student athletes here so we're going to continue to do that make sure that they graduate on time but to continue and raise the level of Alabama volleyball not only here in the state but nationwide I
4: totally agree with what coach said and, um, it's, you know, our jobs to go out this, you know, next, um, semester of school and find some players that fit those intangibles that, um, we will not back down on, um, certain things that we want in our program. And, um, that's only going to make us better going through the future and, um, taking the spring to really work on, um, skill work with our current team, getting us, um, where we need to be, um off the court too, academically make sure that they're doing all their classwork because you know it's hard to do during season to make sure that they're attending all their classes and putting us in the best spot come summer when we have our freshman class come in so that the next season we're in an even better spot to compete and you know be a better version of ourselves.
1: Well, the future is definitely bright. With all the hard work you guys are doing here at the office day in and day, I don't know as we uh, say goodbye, you guys will see each other again coming up for the (laughs) holidays. So we wish the Divine and Alshai families a very Merry Christmas and thank you for joining us today, Roll Tide. Thank you
4: so much. Thank you.
0: Lindsay and Megan have certainly shared a special journey together and we're excited to see them take Alabama volleyball to the next level. And finally, Aaron Jordan catches up with Levi Randolph, the first Alabama men's basketball player to earn academic All-America honors, who is now enjoying his best year as a pro, playing for the Canton Charge in the NBA G League.
5: All right, joined here with the famous Levi Randolph, former Alabama men's basketball player, um, joining us here on the Roll of Cast. Levi, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. How you been, man? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good. Well, uh, first of all, before we really get into the depth of the in- interview here, talk a little bit about your current situation. Kind of give our fans an update on, on what you're up to these days.
6: Um, right now I'm with the Canton Charge, um, uh, affiliate to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I signed a contract earlier, um, in the fall with the Cleveland Cavaliers and, uh, it's what it's called, Exhibit 10. And, you know, I'm a part, I was a part of the Cavaliers for a little while. Then they sent me down to, um, Canton in the G League to, uh, just to play so they can keep an eye on me. And then at some point during the season, hopefully, you know, I impress them enough to get a call up. So right now, just working hard to, to open eyes and just to be seen so that, you know, I can try to reach my dream of playing in the
5: NBA. Well, I'll tell you, man, you're being a little humble for, for those listening. I mean, Levi, I'll, I'll say you're killing it right now. You're just been on fire and a big 35 point game against Delaware. Is that right? Yes, sir. 35, and you have a, a several 20-point games. You're averaging almost 18 points, six rebounds a game. So talk about just going through the process of being in the G League and you're you're right on the cusp of making your dream come true. Talk about kind of what that feels like. Yeah, it's definitely a journey. Um takes
6: a lot of, you know, mental toughness. You, you learn a lot about yourself along the way. Um, I've been with the Celtics. I've been, you know, in the D League before it was the G League. I went overseas two years, and then I had the opportunity to come back last season, and the Cavs asked me to come to training camp with them. And so I played well enough last year where they wanted me um, to come back. And, you know, it's just, like I said, it's been a journey. Uh, it really opens your eyes to, you know, just the perseverance and putting in the work. And then the rest, you know, hopefully will take care of itself. So
5: it's a grind. Well, I'm sure it helps you a little bit, too, having someone who kind of already did this a predecessor to you, if you will, and in, in Jamichael Green. J. Mike spent years and years, probably close to ten years, I think, with the what was the D League back then, but Austin Toros of the G League and and now he's almost in his tenth year and still thriving in the NBA. That's gotta give you a little motivation, doesn't it?
6: Yeah, it definitely does. Um guys like him and then I actually spoke with him uh before I started this season and he just told me to stick with it. Uh and it was kind of the kind of the journey he took. Um, coming from Alabama, being one of the top being the top player in Alabama, um, out of high school and things like that. He just said, you know, he always had this as a dream and as a goal. He just said if it's on your heart, just stick with it. So it's kind of extra motivation, you know, seeing somebody ahead of me do it and, you know, hopefully I can I can be the next and we can just keep it going. For guys that don't go straight from college to the NBA, they they know that there's always a way if they just stick with it. What what do you think of Canton, Ohio, man? Uh, Canton is nice. It's it's you know, I, I had never really heard of Canton until I came here. But uh, the, they got the NFL Hall of Fame, so that's pretty much what they're known for. But other than that, Canton is a nice city. A um, lot of good place to eat. So mm-hmm. as long as that, as long as I can find some good food, then you know I'm happy. Uh Other than that, it's cold. Always cold <laughs> so.
5: Yeah, the football Hall of Fame is up there, and like like you told me before, we're we're waiting to do this podcast for our listeners and. You were coming from practice and you said you practice up in Cleveland, which is about a 45 minute drive, correct?
6: Yeah. Yeah. So every, every so often we, um, we go and practice in Cleveland so that, you know, their front office and their coaches can, you know, see us on a, on a practice day, not just a game day, but they can see how we go through practice. Um, we use their facility. Um, so it's just a day to really, you know, have extra eyes on us and to get. Um, extra treatment, extra, extra access to facilities
5: and things like that. So so what would you say, I mean, with, with now that you're in your fifth year as a pro? Is yeah,
6: that right? Fourth, year. It's all,
5: it's all going together. Yeah, this is my, I think, fifth year. Seems like just yesterday you were playing for us. But, uh, exactly. But now that you're five years in, you know, obviously there's, there's some differences between – a Collegiate player and a professional player. What what are some of the biggest differences that you've come across? Would
0: you say?
6: I think the biggest difference to me, the one that I miss the most, is you know in college is more like a family situation. You know, you're with your your brothers, you're with your coaches all the time for four years pretty much, and you grow together. Um, at this level, you know, it's pretty much every man for himself. The guys have families. Um, everybody has their own agenda. Everybody has their own goals, and you know, you kind of kind of find your way. You know, as a pro on your own, um, you, you, you really don't always have anybody to lean on like you do in college. So it's more family oriented in, um, in college. And then you come to a pro and it's, it's, it's real. You know, it's the next man is up for your job. It's not, you're not guaranteed four years to try to develop and get better. You know, every day could be your, your last day. So you kind of, kind of cherish it a little more. You know, once you, once you become a pro, because it can end at any time.
5: Uh, you're, that's right. I, I know for my profession, I always tell people, you know, that you're, you're in college. You're, you always rush to want to get out of college and start yep. your professional life. But then you get out of college and your professional life starts. It's, it's a grind and everything. I'm sure it's a grind of what you're doing as well. So, yep. uh, but keep at it, man. We're all behind you for sure. Um, do you, you know, a lot of fans probably wondered if you, Still follow the program. I, I know you're on social media a lot and kind of tweeting out some stuff during games, but do you still get a chance to follow the program that you're playing professionally now?
6: Yeah, I do. Um, you know, in the off season I'm, I have a place there at Tuscaloosa. So it's always been, ever since I went to college, I always felt like home. So I'm always a lot of, a lot of my teammates and, and guys I know in the off season they go to Miami or, Las Vegas or, you know, big cities like that for the summer. And I'm like, I'll come visit y'all, but I, I'm going to be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So, <laughs> I'm there all summer working out. Um, You know, I see the guys, you know, during their workouts and stuff like that. So... Uh, I kind of I've seen seen the guys and the coaches and the program. You know, I've been following them, so I feel like I'm a part of the program still. It's like I never left.
5: Well, and you have a little extra incentive too to come back. You got a little brother. I'm using that term loosely because he's not so little, (laughs) but Kendall Randolph, who's a a member of the Crimson Tide football team, and and is actually having a pretty good year this year. Really, the first time he's really seen some action. But talk talk about what that's like. I'm sure it's great for your family to not only have a, a Young man who's, who's playing football for the Crimson Tide, but also had someone like you who played basketball and can kind of show him the ropes a little bit of being a student athlete.
6: Yeah, it was good that, um, that, that he's there. And then I, I, I went there also so that, you know, I, I tell him there's nothing that you're seeing that I didn't see. So if you have any questions or you need contact with anybody, just let me know. You know, he's, he's found his way and he's done really well. Um, you know, he also has. Our other brother that went to Alabama and M and played football, mm-hmm. so he has a lot of resources that he can he can tap into as far as at the collegiate level if he has any questions. So I told him you you don't have to go into anything blind. You always can can ask us, and if we don't know, we can ask somebody. But no, he's really he's definitely. Found his way and, and carved out a role for himself, um, this past year and he did really well.
5: Does he ever tell you any, any crazy Nick Saban stories or get into anything like that? Or is it just keep it, you know, pretty general?
6: Yeah, pretty general. Uh, he always says Coach Saban's pretty, pretty even killed. What we see is usually how Coach Saban is, but, um, they just have a standard that's set. So pretty much everybody holds each other accountable. That's his biggest thing. And just, he's just, I think the biggest thing that he talked to me about was their fourth quarter program and, and fall camp. That was probably the two most difficult times he had, he's had as a, as a college athlete because his last year was his first year really going through it because he registered his freshman year and then he uh, got injured his sophomore year. So this was his first year to really break out and be able to be a part of everything.
5: So you've already discussed you and, and your two brothers, all division one athletes. You got another brother that's. Quite a bit younger, but any talk about him a little bit. Does he look up to you guys, and can you see any kind of future athletic scholarship player in him at all?
6: Yeah, I definitely see him at some point playing a collegiate sport. Right now, he plays basketball and football, but...
5: Alex, right? Alex is his name? Yeah. And how old is Alex?
6: He's eight. He's eight, okay. So he's got a little ways to go. Yeah, but... I, I I think he should be on TV. Somebody needs to find, <laughs> he needs to create a YouTube channel or something
5: because the kid's hilarious. <laughs> well, you guys got some connections with that, don't you? You can hook that up, couldn't you? As his older brother, I I, I guess I got, I can ask around. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about just going back to your college days here for a little bit. Um, you've you you had some great accomplishments during your time here. You Came in with a heralded class, went to NCAA tournament, um, academic all American, of course the only. Alabama men's basketball player to earn that, that prestigious honor, but talk about kind of some of your biggest accomplishment or what was your biggest accomplishment during your time at Alabama?
6: I think individually it was the academic all American because just because, you know, going, I remember on my visit, my official visit, I was at the, um, Brian Hall academic center mm-hmm. and in the main, main lobby, each sport had a, a name in the, in the plaque in the little hall of fame for academic all American, except for basketball. And just something inside of me told me I want to set this as a goal to, I want to be the first one to earn it for basketball. And you know, it took a while, but you know, by my senior year is something that, that I earned. And then the program definitely helped me to, to accomplish. So, I mean, that, that's probably my biggest accomplishment. I think that's the thing that my family is the most proud of out of me so far for sure.
5: Yeah. It's definitely something to be proud of. And, and, I remember going through that process with you and and for those who don't know there's there's a a nomination process first, you have to have the student athlete get an all region honor, which you got three times and you're the only player in program history to do that three separate times but when you get that first team honor, then you become eligible to become academic all american so mm-hmm. um but but I remember going through that whole process with you, and you're exactly right. I remember you telling me that story about during your revisit and seeing the plaque and there's nobody in there and you wanted to be the first and you achieved that and but i remember your dad uh told you a quote that you then kind of relayed through us Uh, but but tell the folks about what what your dad's quote was and kind of how that that's so meaningful for you and for anyone else who hears it really
6: yes just for me and all my brothers he's always told us that you know, we'll be able, like with academics, it's the most important because it'll stick with us a lot longer than sports will. Like at some, some point the ball will stop bouncing or, you know, you have to hang up the cleats. But, um, he would always tell us that if you take a book and you take a, a ball, which one could you stand on longer? And I mean, obviously the answer is you can stand on a book longer. So it just goes in hand with, you know, your, your academics will stick with you a lot longer than, than the sports will. So that's just something that's always stuck with us, you know, since we were we were young.
5: Oh, uh, and that's something we still use today with our student athletes, you know, telling them about that quote. And you know, I think it's pretty pretty profound that that your dad had that, and it's absolutely the truth. And you know, unfortunately, we all get to an age where you're not playing as fast or as well as you once did, but you have to have something to stand on, and and books mm-hmm. definitely will be there for you. And that's a great. Especially for being so young, you had that mindset going into it. And I think that's something that really helped you and motivated you to, to get your, the awards that you deserved. So that was good. Um, so talk about, uh, you know, you, you said you watch a team. I know you've, you've, be, uh, you're an avid fan of the program and, and have you had a chance to you know, with the new staff and the changes, of a lot of new faces on this year's team. Have you had a chance to get to know the players and the coaches and, and what are your thoughts overall on that?
6: Yeah, I have. I was I was around quite a bit this summer. So I really I was really impressed by the way, you know, the the guys work this summer. Um, you know, and in the early preseason um part. Um Coach Oates has them, you know, with a sense of urgency as far as the way they have to work and the extra time they have to put in and it you know, it goes much further than just practice, but coming in on your own and trying to get better and develop your game. You know, it's their first year, but I can definitely tell a difference in just the way the guys have, have been, you know, getting in the gym and doing the extra things and just how hard they've been playing. Even something I learned, you know, the the results always don't show right away. Um, you got to kind of pound the stone over and over and over until, you know, eventually it's going to break. So I think with the work they put in, if they just keep keep working as a team gets better and gets to know each other and the staff learns everybody, I think they're going to they're gonna do okay.
5: Basketball's a long season, that's for sure. I mean, you know, one long season, yeah. long season, there's many parts to it. And Coach Oates even Rome said, wasn't built overnight. That's no doubt. And pound of stone is a great analogy, too, because it's something that's, you know, you want to get better and better and you want to be playing your yeah. best basketball come February and March. And I think that's kind of what he said all along. and course with the new coach and all that there's going to be some transition but um some time but i mean as you know and you've been through it before but it'll take some time but it's just the most important thing is everyone being on the same page right
6: yeah that's the most important thing
5: so uh all right man well that's kind of uh that's all i had for you i did i did want to end with a little fun game a little question game for you um got a few questions here and, and i want you to answer kind of with the first thing that pops in your mind Okay. You you good? You down to play? Yeah. Let's see. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep you on the toes, but nothing too crazy. Okay. All right. All right. So starting off, if you if you played a sport professionally other than basketball, what would it be and why? Football. Um, just because
6: I played football growing up. I come from
5: a football family.
6: I'm the only basketball Mm -hmm. player in the family. So sometimes I think I was supposed to play
5: football. So (laughs) if, if it was another sport, I think
6: I would choose football.
5: Fair enough. Uh what what's the worst job, summer job that you ever had?
6: The worst. I was a I worked at an inflatable place in high school and some days I would have to take the the inflatables to the birthday parties or to the work events, but I would have to wear a bunny mascot mascot suit. <laughs> you were the mascot? <laughs> yeah, I had to try to get people to come over to to the the jumpy house or whatever you want to call it, the moon bounce. Did
5: you did you get paid on the number of people that came over to visit that? No, I got paid hourly. Yeah, okay, all right. Well that's good. <laughs> uh what was your favorite subject at Alabama?
6: My favorite favorite subject might have been math came the, the the most the easiest to me, but I think my I took a couple like social media um marketing classes, I took some business management classes, and I, I took a uh entrepreneurial class, and I think those are the Maybe the three most interesting to me at the time.
5: All right. Uh, any superstitions before playing a game? Any superstitions?
6: I kind of got into this thing where if I have a good game, I have to keep wearing those same shoes until I have a bad game.
5: And then I have to change them. When was the last time you changed your shoes? Uh, cause you've been playing pretty well here lately.
6: I actually, I just changed them. I just okay. changed them
5: th- for
6: this next game, but I guess that's a bad one because I didn't change them because of the superstition. I actually changed them because they were getting worn down. But if I have a good game,
5: there you go. Uh, all right. So what was the biggest moment as a player on the court while you were at Alabama?
6: Biggest moment was two that always stick out to me. And the first one was just going to the tournament my freshman year, just Mm -hmm. having that year we had. I think we, I don't remember. We got as high as number 12 maybe in the country at one time, something like that, 13. And we went to the tournament against Creighton. The mm-hmm. second would be when Trevor Relaford hit the half court shot against Georgia mm-hmm. and just being able to be on the court and experience that. Um, I think those are the two biggest moments for me.
5: That one was amazing, yeah. man. That was, that was the day of the, uh, we recognized the 100 year anniversary of Alabama basketball too. Yep. So. Uh, definitely a lot of memories on that one. Uh, okay. So you had the biggest moment. What was the toughest moment as a player at Alabama? Toughest moment.
6: Oh, as a player, toughest moment. I just felt like the program was building, building, building freshman year tournament, sophomore year. I think we were tied or tied for second or tied for third in the SEC 20 wins. We didn't Mm -hmm. make the tournament and just being right there on the cusp and then going into the junior year feeling like, okay, this is the year where we break out and have one of those years where You know, magical year, but then we went, I think maybe 13 and three at home and oh, and 13 Mm, on the road.
5: mm, That mm. was the (laughs) toughest time right
6: there. That was like the, like, I don't know that that was the toughest time in my Alabama career that that junior year for me.
5: Yeah. It was tough. No doubt. Uh, All right. So this next one, I'm going to, this is going to be a tough question for you, man. Okay. All right. Better hairstyle Levi present day or Levi at Alabama, (laughs) Levi, Alabama for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> I miss my hair. Why? Wow, you miss your hair? That's yeah. I, was, I How tough was it for you to get your hair cut, man? For real? it was. It was.
6: It was very difficult. But I just figured it was time for a change. Time to you know grow up, take that next step, especially with me. You know, trying to. Pursue, uh, the dream of going to the NBA and just things like that. It was mm-hmm. time to turn a new leaf and try something new out. Did, did you keep any of the
5: dreads? I actually, honestly? I
6: actually do have the dreads still in yeah. <laughs> a plastic bag. Yeah.
5: You got them all? <laughs> I got them all. You got them all. That's funny. I, I bet that was a weird feeling when you first got that thing cut though. Yes, yeah, my head. Cause you had been growing that since what you say, uh, eighth grade, was yeah, it? Yeah, forever. It seemed like I mm-hmm. never had
6: short hair, but yeah, my head felt so light. I could feel all the wind and everything. It was different.
5: <laughs> so what do you miss the
6: most about being away from home while you're in Canton there? I think the mo- the thing I miss the most is just probably family. Seems like I've been away from home a lot oh, for a long time now, just going to college and then going to all these different places. But uh, that's the biggest thing, just being right there around my family. I think that's the thing that I miss the most.
5: Okay. Are you a trash talker on the court?
6: Am I a trash talker? No, mm-hmm. not really unless somebody really starts talking to me, but I kind of try to let my play do the talking. That's, 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 that's where my play, I let my play do the talking the majority of the time.
5: All right. Would you rather have a slam dunk to win the game or a steal to win the game? Ooh, that's tough. I'm going to say both because <laughs> a slam, <laughs> slam dunk, dunk and to win, steal.
6: That's, that's <laughs> an emphasis. Yeah. Slam dunk and then the, or steal, then the slam dunk.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I got you to seal the victory there. Yeah. All right, three more. All right, so there's been a a hot topic on social media lately here about Christmas lights. Do you put your Christmas lights up before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? Are you a before-Thanksgiving guy with Christmas lights or after Thanksgiving? After Thanksgiving. I think you
6: got to get your Thanksgiving out the way, and then that's when the Christmas Mm -hmm. starts.
5: You're going to have a lot of controversy with that, just so you know, man. (laughs) I'm just letting you know there's a lot of pre-Thanksgiving. I'm right there with you on post-Thanksgiving. but Uh uh, Favorite Christmas song? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph, yeah, okay, and then last one. What's your favorite Christmas movie? You seem surprised by the Rudolph. Yeah, I am a little bit. You know, <laughs> I was thinking. You know, I seem more of a jingle. You're a jingle bell guy. I, Maybe deck the halls a little bit.
6: Jingle bells is good, but Rudolph is the classic.
5: <laughs> Rudolph is a classic. You're right. <laughs> What's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Favorite if you had Christmas to choose one movie to watch this Christmas, what would it be? That's a tough one.
6: That that one caught me off guard right there. All right?
5: <laughs> so have really, all the questions that one caught you off guard, I almost say I had to say home alone, oh okay, that's yeah. a good one. I didn't think yeah, about so, that one uh-huh yeah yeah well, man that's that's all I have for you. um I really appreciate you taking the time to talk and I know. When you're, when you're motivated to do things like you are, you, you get them accomplished, man. There's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind, you're going to get your goals accomplished. And you know, the Alabama family is right behind you and everything you do. And I appreciate you taking the time to update us and keep us posted on what you've been up to. And we'll be following you up there in Canton, Ohio, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All
0: right. Roll Tide, brother. Roll tie. Levi is such a great ambassador for the Crimson Tide. I know Alabama fans everywhere are excited to follow his career as he chases his dream of playing in the NBA. That's it for this edition of the Roll Tide Cast. Thanks for joining us, and as always, we hope you enjoyed it and will subscribe, rate, and review, and let us know what you'd like to hear and what topics you'd like us to hit in future episodes. And now we leave you with this reminder from head coach Nick Saban. But I want everybody here to know... This is not the end. This is the beginning. This has been the World Tidecast, the official podcast of Alabama athletics. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Crimson Tide Sports Network.